Sovereign Grace Chapel, located at 135 Annabelle Lane in Beaver, West Virginia, invites you to listen to a gospel message concerning Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. For the sake of context, I will begin in verse 1. I've actually dealt with verses 1 through 5 last week. But for the sake of context, I want to read verses 1 through 11. My message will be mainly on verses 6 through 11. But let's get the context. Therefore, be justified by faith. What kind of faith? The kind of faith like Abraham had. Yes, sir. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace where we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, or we can say not only that, or not only this, we glory in tribulations also. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. And remember I said this, I tried to emphasize this. Yes, God's people love him. There is no doubt about that. The Apostle Paul is quite clear when he says, If any man love not our Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema, maranatha. Yeah. But the love Paul is speaking of here is God's love for us. Yes. But then he goes on. And here is my actual text. For when we were yet without strength, we're going to look then at this love. Yes, sir. This love that's shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. So now we're called ungodly. We're told we're strengthless. And we're told we are what? Sinners. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. Amen. Much more then. It's even beyond that. Now he's not belittling that by any means, no. But much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, so he's going to explain what he's just wrote in this letter. For if, when we were Enemies. So now we're told we're strengthless, we are ungodly, we are sinners, and now we're told what we are? Enemies. Amen. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. So when were we reconciled? Not when we were believers, yeah. but when we were enemies. Amen. When we were sinners. When we were ungodly. When we were without strength, even then 
we were reconciled. Because he says, for if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Now what has he just said? That everybody that he reconciled, they're going to be saved. Those that he reconciled by his death, he is definitely going to save them by his life. Now that is set forth in translated into clear, plain English for us. And not only so. It's even more than that. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Now, since God says, and God has said so in many different ways, varying different words throughout varying different ages and through varying prophets and apostles. Since God says he loves his people, then God loves his people. Period. Period. Their condition by nature does not matter when it comes to whether or not God loves them. Now, their condition by nature does matter. But it doesn't guarantee nor thwart the love of God. God loved us when we were strengthless, when we were ungodly, when we were sinners, when we were enemies. So much so that his son died for us. So, again... Since God says he loves his people, then he loves his people. Even when, yea, even more than that, especially when he wisely brings tribulations that work. Patience, experience, hope, and no shame in God's great love for us. I am not ashamed of God's great love for me. No, sir. That's right. Now, I know there are those who accuse us of limiting God's love. No, they limit God's love. And let's get that right from the get-go. Yes, sir. I preach clearly, according to this book, God does not love everyone. This book is clear. God does not love everyone. But that is not a limitation of God's love. That is God's sovereign right to love whom he will and to hate whom he will. Those who preach as he loves everybody, but many of them don't make it to glory. Many of them perish under the very wrath and judgment of the very same God they say loves them. They limit God's love because they are basically teaching God's love, at least for some folks, ain't worth spit. That's right. That's exactly it. Someone says, preacher, that's way too bold. No, I'm afraid it's not bold enough. And what I do know, what I do know is this. I know that man is an unregenerate rebel by nature and despises the truth of God and hates God for who he really is. And as Joe pointed out, especially in his son. Yes, sir. It's just like when, remember, was it Peter, Peter, John, or Peter was there. You remember they had the one guy that was lame, he's sitting at the temple. And he was begging for some money, a little bit of money to help him along. You know, he it was lame. He couldn't work. Back then, they didn't have computers where you could sit at your desk and earn a living. And Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee. And he said, behold, rise up and walk. Did he not? And you know what? The religious leaders, they brought Peter and John, I think it was, they brought them under charges. 
Now, Peter could have said, they said, in what name are you doing this? He could have said, I do this in the name of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel. And he'd have been exactly right in yes, saying sir. so. Amen. But he would have been hiding the truth. Because what he said is, I do this in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That's right. Now, do you see the difference? How both are fact, yes, sir. but one is the truth. There you go. Because Peter could have spared himself some trouble. I'm sure those old Jews would have said, well, glory to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Oh, yeah. But when he men mentioned Jesus Christ of Nazareth, it's set the fuel flames of their hatred against God because while they even looked for a Messiah, they hated him when he showed up. Yes, sir. They didn't like him for who he was. Exactly. But let's note here. Here is, this is my subject, this is my title, the pinnacle of God's love. The pinnacle of God's love. There is no doubt <coughs> that God sending his son into this world in human flesh was the act of the power of God in love. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. Now, it doesn't say that he sent him to the cross. It, he gave his only begotten son. Yes, sir. And as one preacher said, there ain't, a bit of, there ain't a bit of gospel in that verse. And boy, if they said people's mouths just dropped. He said, that's all testimony. Yeah. He said, the gospel's up there in verse 14. Even as Moses lifted up the servant on the serpent on the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Yes, what I'm saying is this. God's love was manifested in Christ coming into this world. God's love was manifested in the, sin, the Son of God subjected his, himself to all of the, all of the hatred yes. and the despising that men could throw at him. There is no doubt God's love is seen there. There is no doubt that God's love was seen when Jesus Christ healed countless myriads of folks that had all kinds of maladies. But here is the pinnacle of God's love. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. There's the pinnacle of God's love right there. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, when we were strengthless, when we were ungodly, God fixed an absolute, immutable, certain time for Christ to die. Isn't that what it says? Mm -hmm. For when we were yet without strength, in due time. Yes. God had the exact moment in time picked out, ordained, and decreed when Jesus Christ would die. And he would die for. Now remember we've looked at that little word for. Mm -hmm. Here the word means in the place of. Yeah. Or as old Scott Richardson used to say in the room instead of. Mm -hmm. Christ died for me and you. Mm -hmm. If you are strengthless. If you are ungodly. Yes. If you are a sinner. If you are an enemy of God. Amen. That's whom the book says Christ died for. Amen. It doesn't say Christ died for the world. That's exactly it said right. for God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God clearly declares who he loves and clearly declares for whom Christ died, strengthless people, sinners, ungodly, and enemies. Are you strengthless and ungodly? And I can say these words, Christ died in your place. Amen. Christ died in your place. But let me tell you something. Now listen now, before I go any further. I can say, are you strengthless? Are you ungodly? Are you a sinner? Do you see yourself as for what you are? By nature, you are an enemy against God. Then Christ died for you. But it's not just saying it that makes it real in you. It's God Almighty teaching it to you by his spirit and by his gospel. Because I know this. Every person God's ever shown, shown to be strengthless, ungodly, a sinner, and an enemy, they do something. They flee to Jesus Christ. So you could come. I've had people right here. People come to this very building. And they would say, oh, yes, I'm ungodly. Oh, yes, I'm a sinner. Oh, yes, I'm, I'm an, oh, I know that's so true about me and maybe even shed a few tears. But they've not yet fled to Christ. So they still haven't really seen that they're strengthless, ungodly, and enemies and sinners. Exactly. The writer of Hebrews says that we have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. And even Paul winds at least our text up with, and not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Everybody whom God teaches, Mm -hmm. that they're strengthless, ungodly, they're an enemy, Mm -hmm. that they're a sinner, they will flee to Christ. Because if you haven't fled to Christ, God ain't really taught you that yet. You're just saying it with your mouth. That's it. Amen. I went for an x-ray one time. And people began, a couple, an elderly couple were there. And, they, and I mentioned something about being a sinner. Oh, yes, that's right. That's just right. All over the place. Everybody, people know they're a sinner. Now, I granted there are some exceptions. I understand that, but most everybody will say they're a sinner. But then, but, but I'm not an ungodly sinner. Yeah. Or well, yeah, I, I'm a sinner, but I'm not an enemy of God. I don't hate God. I'm not against God. No, you're not against your idea of God. Exactly. But when the true God is preached unto you, your enmity will show itself. Yeah. Or well, yeah, I'm a sinner. That's almost like a cliche today. Yeah, I'm a sinner. Mm-hmm. But they don't believe they're a strengthless sinner. Well, I got free will. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. No. When we were yet without strength, even if you had a free will, it's strengthless. Exactly. <laughs> you see? For we, when we were without strength, yeah. the problem is our will is not free. Our will is as bound as we are. Yes, sir. Because if you will come to Christ, you can come to Christ. And if you can come to Christ, you will come to Christ. But unless God Almighty does something for you first, you neither will come to him nor can you come to him. Because he said so. And I take his word over my feelings about the matter or anyone else's feelings about the matter. 
Are you again, are you strengthless and ungodly? Then Christ died in your place. That's the pinnacle of God's love. The holy God-man died for ungodly people. Amen. How many of those do you find at Walmart? Yeah. Hmm? Yeah, that's right. How many of those do you find at Walmart? Now, compare human love. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure, for a good man, some would even dare to die. Now, I must say this. I realize Paul has just said there's none righteous, no, not one. Has he not? That's what we read this in this letter. And now he turns around and talks about a righteous man. Was Paul contradicting himself? No, not in any wise. Because here he is comparing men to men only. And not comparing men to God's law. Yea, not comparing men to God. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. So this is Paul expressing a fact or a couple facts about human love. So what's he talking about? Now I want to try to give you a paraphrase of this. In other words, man sees love as true love when one dies for a noble cause. Yeah, there you go. Hmm? You're right. Right? I mean, you... you you see somebody harming a child and you put your life on the line for that child to stop that harm coming to that child, people would say, what would they say? That's love. Mm-hmm. And Paul is not saying that's not love. No, he's, not. he's saying that is love, but it's not God's love. Exactly. Because God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, mm-hmm. we're the offending party and God loved us. Not the offended party, and God's taken up for the offended party. Do you see what I'm saying? This is what Paul's getting at here. In other words, here is this is from <coughs> the Amplified Bible. And remember, it is just a, it's a it's not a translation; it is just a paraphrase. But it's pretty good on this one. <coughs> In other words, as I said, this is me again. Man sees love as true love when one dies for a noble cause. In other words, as Paul puts it here, and I'm paraphrasing now through through that that other Bible. It is an extraordinary thing for one to die for an upright man and perhaps for a noble, loving, and generous benefactor, some white might even dare to die. Now, does that make a little sense to what he's saying there? For scarcely for a righteous, a good upright man, one might die. They might die. Yet peradventure for a good man. What's a a good man? Somebody's doing good. They might even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's a totally different kind of love than the way we look at it as human beings, is it not? Yeah. Now, I don't mean to throw, well, yeah, I do mean to throw out the grenade and pull the pin on it. It's illustrated. Remember I told you about the child, the child some child being, being hurt by, uh, say, an adult. God came and took the side of the one that was doing the hurting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, do you hear what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And somebody says, I don't like that. I know that's why you don't believe God. That's why you're lost. Because you don't like those. That's God's true love. Yeah. But that there are people. When you say God don't love everybody, they think, well, that's not fair. Not fair. God, if God were fair, he would hate us all clean into the lake of fire. We deserve damnation. But not everybody knows it. Not everybody really knows it. 
You see, I've preached for 36, 37 years now. I've not earned one speck of merit before God that would get me into his presence. Exactly. I've tried to tell the truth for 37 years now, but it's not earned me one speck of merit before God Almighty that would cause him to receive this strengthless, ungodly, enemy sinner into his presence. Only the death of Christ could do that. And the death of Christ is specifically for that cause yes, and for those kind of people. And <clears throat> this is much more than a fact of Christ's death because he says much more then. Do you see it? Mm -hmm. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were, we were the offending party, yes. Christ died for us much more then. Being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Now, granted, and it is included, most religious people that profess to be Christians, when they hear of, we shall be saved from wrath through him, what do they think of? The final judgment, right? Or maybe all of the calamities that are to come upon the world in the last days, right? The wrath of God, and that is certainly true. Oh, yeah, it is. That is certainly true. Yes, but that's not the context here. That's not the context. Now, and it's much more than a fact of Christ's death. Much more than Christ's death. This is what he says here. Christ's death. Christ's justification by Christ's blood. Yes. Assured, secured, and guaranteed some things. Amen. According to the Apostle Paul yeah. right here. That's right. Right? It assured, it secured, and it guaranteed some things. False religion, anti the anti-Christ gospel that's put off on men and women as God's gospel. And it ain't God's gospel. It's the gospel of antichrist. It's the message of antichrist. It is a perversion of the gospel of God. They basically teach that Christ's work, his death, his blood, assured, secured, and guaranteed nothing. Exactly. It only made it what? Possible. Say the word. Possible. Possible. I'm not building a straw man and beating on him. That's exactly the word they use. Possible. Paul ain't talking about possibilities. He's talking about absolutes here. Yes, sir. And somebody said, you're telling me I got to believe that Jesus died only for the elect. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm telling you, you're going to believe that Jesus Christ accomplished what God the Father sent him to do. And when he did it, he did it when he died. And he accomplished what God intended for him to accomplish when he died. Or you don't believe Christ. Yeah. Or you don't believe Christ. You can believe Christ died only for the elect still go to hell because you don't believe in Christ himself. Because you have never received the atonement. And to jump ahead, the word, even the word received in Scripture is used in different ways. Sometimes it's used in this sense. Penny took two goblets and she poured water, one for Joe and one for me, and she poured water into those goblets and put them in the refrigerator for us to have this morning. This glass received the water passively. It did nothing. She set it on the counter. She opened the water, poured the water in. It received the water. Did nothing. But now I'm going to receive the water. That's receiving too. And I was active in it. 
But you know why I did that? For two reasons. One, I was thirsty. And two, to illustrate what I'm talking about. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is not a, just a shout-out to Jesus. Y'all heard of a shout-out? Now give him a shout-out. Give, give, give him just a little bit of credit. This ain't about giving him a little bit of credit. This is saying he's the one that assured that this would come to pass. Amen. It ain't a shout-out. You don't give the God of all glory a shout-out. You praise him and worship him and bow down at his feet in the person of his son. Our world is, they, they, they think God is their buddy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ never said he was our buddy, but he does say he is our brother. Amen. He is our husband. Those are the words he uses and other like words. Think about it. Again, I say, much more than Paul said that Christ's death, the justification he accomplished by his blood, it assured it secured, it guaranteed some things. And let's examine the results of the pinnacle of God's love. One, we, we, the strengthless. Isn't that who he's writing to? Yeah. Nobody else. Right. If you got strength this morning, then he's not talking to you. You're right. If out there you hear this and you think, well, I've got some power, then this don't apply to you. Exactly. Correct? That's it. For when we were yet without, without, wait a minute, without, Strength. Amen. We, the strengthless. We, the ungodly. We, the sinners. We, the enemies of God. We shall be saved from wrath through Christ. Saved from wrath that we deserve from God. <coughs> we deserve God's wrath. Yes, sir. I can say that it's true. God's elect were never under wrath. But we deserved it. Exactly. Yeah. We deserved it. We deserved it just as much as the reprobate. Jacob deserved the wrath of God just as much as Esau deserved the wrath of God. Yes, sir. So we're saved from wrath through Christ, saved from wrath we deserved, and saved from our own damning wrath toward God. Because one time we were enemies. Yeah. Right? What's an enemy? Somebody that has wrath, at enmity with Hatred, variance against someone else, right? That's what wrath is. That's what hatred is. That's what variance is. And we had wrath toward God. And Paul was clear about that when he wrote to the church at Ephesus. He wrote this word, these words. Let me find it now. Among whom also, he's writing to people he calls the elect in chapter 1, right? predestinated people, people for whom Christ died. And he writes this about among whom also we all had our conversation, that is our way of life in time past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature, we were by nature the children of wrath. Wrath, wrath for one another, wrath for God, wrath for God's law, wrath for God's son, wrath for God's book, wrath for God's gospel, wrath for anything that had to do with God Almighty in his absolute holiness. We were the children of wrath, even as others. Aren't you glad God saved you from that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yes, Folks, I don't hate God anymore. But my flesh still does. Yeah, and we'll, Paul will deal with that. We're getting there. Paul's going to deal with that. But I don't hate God no more. Exactly. I'm glad God is who he is. 
And he's revealing this, revealing. He hadn't revealed it all yet, but he is revealing these things to me, Joe, and my flesh recoils. But the new man says, I thank God. Yes. 